0: The Sex Ed with Tim podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Nodanshoni, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. <laughs> <laughs> hello and welcome to another episode of the sex ed with tim podcast i'm your host tim certified sex educator i identify as a chaotic homosexual and i need to have a sauna all to myself because i have selfish steam issues and that's your bad dad joke of the day you feel (laughs) graham (laughs) don't look at me like that (laughs) <laughs> it's so bad. All right, folks, uh, this episode we will be talking about my favorite place in the entire world, my home away from home, where I love to get my back broke in a thousand different ways <laughs> the bathhouse. Now, what is a bathhouse? I'm going to give y'all the very, very, very quick Netflix summary of bathhouses, Well, we're going to be mainly talking about bathhouses in the context of gay culture. So, first things first, bathhouses date back to at least the 6th century BC, going all the way in Greece, and then bathhouses weren't used for gay sex until like, maybe the 5th century is when it was first documented for use of gay sex. Jumping to the West, bathhouses for gay sex, specifically gay sex, didn't appear until the 19th and 20th century, and even at that point, gay sex was still illegal because yay, Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And then, jumping into the 1950s, exclusively gay bathhouses were opened despite being subjected to all these raids, which we will be talking about in a little bit. 1960s and 70s, bathhouses were now fully licensed establishments in the West, and then other countries such as Australia, New Zealand, and Britain followed suit. Now, get all of that in, rewind a little bit, and come back here, because we're going to be talking strictly about Toronto bathhouses. And who better to talk about Toronto bathhouses than one of my good friends, a colleague of mine, he is my graham cracker, my sweet teddy bear, the man that I have yet to sleep with because of scheduling issues, (laughs) Graham from Toronto's Steamworks, hi Graham.
1: Uh, hi, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, you are, and not to make like a, a fat joke or anything, but you are my white whale, and I am Captain Ahab. I have yet to score you. I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. It's that kind of show? <laughs> It'll happen one day. (laughs) Well, Graham, first of all... I'm going to start start feeling myself for getting harpooned. Harpooned. Uh, Is that the new word for penetration? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Well, Graham, thank you so much for coming on the show, because this is such an important topic, I feel, that it's surprising that in the year or two that I've... Hosted this show. I haven't talked about my favorite place in the entire world where I like to get my guts rearranged. First of all, Graham, let's talk about what is it that you do at
1: Steamworks. So I've worked at Steamworks for a bit over five years now, I guess, and I've had a I've had a bunch of different jobs there. Right now, I'm mostly one of the guys who's like behind the front counter, so doing a lot of like customer service stuff. But I've also done like housekeeping, maintenance. I've seen it from all those those sort of perspectives on top of working there i'm also one of our, our union stewards uh and i am on the the workplace like health and safety committee so that's uh that's sort of a uh, you know quick notes of what i do over there
0: it's so fucking cool you know that uh, in the steamworks wikipedia it's actually like unionized like there's a whole section about y'all being unionized
1: yeah hey if we, we made it on wikipedia i guess it's real
0: you you can do anything now. You can take over the world. How about you run for <laughs> the next Prime Minister? And then we'll see where, where things can go from here. Uh,
1: Way too much incriminating material out there.
0: There's too much incriminating material for you <laughs> to be a Prime Minister. <laughs> Watch the Conservatives just like look into how many men that you've been with. And it's like, look at this faggot and all of his derogatory sins, and oh, I don't know how, how they talk. Well, no,
1: I mean, that sounds good. That sounds like they're going to be pulling together my campaign team. So, okay, okay you're, you're, you're starting to convince me. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll be your, your uh, PR marketing team. I'll be all of this. <laughs> and just do the absolute shittiest job. But anyways, uh, so, yes, you've been working at Steamworks for the last five years. I have been volunteering at Steamworks for the last four, three, four years, years, uh, and it's been yeah, actually, you know, you know what, like, some,
1: so, and Tim, some of the people listening might not, you know, and they hear you, know, you volunteer there, like, what's that mean, right? Because bathhouses, <laughs> you, you talked a little bit in, in your intro, yeah, like there, there's spaces where, well, it's a bathhouse, you can bathe, and like meet other guys for sex, right? What, where's the volunteering come in, right? Because that, that's also like the, you know, it's it's a business, it provides and maintains the space, but then we we what. Uh, what else
0: is going on i volunteer my butthole so men can see what not to do with it it is broken beyond repair because of all the things i have shoved inside no kidding i'm kidding so as a volunteer (laughs) at a bathhouse i'm mostly providing information on sexual health I provide safer sex methods, like fisting gloves, condoms. For the guys who just want to take a nap, I give them some earplugs. I give them lube. I give them pamphlets on PrEP, PEP, U equals U, living with HIV, and basically like anything to make your time there not as shitty as possible. And yeah. like lately, I don't know if you, you were able to overhear this, Graham, but at my last shift... Every single conversation I had with the guys coming to my volunteer booth has been all about monkeypox, which is so fascinating to me, which goes to show that, like, gay men really are on top of sexual health in terms of, like, the entire population because we see it affecting us so deeply that we are taking like the most responsibility for it a lot of accountability for it because with any sort of like global health emergency gay men are always going to get the brunt of the blame and all the outbreaks it's like it's because of you damn pillow munchers that were in this mess and it's like it happened with hiv aids it happened with covid and it's happening with monkeypox. and i don't know They're probably going to blame cancer on us for all I know. (laughs) Some new sexually transmitted cancer.
1: Yeah, I, I like I th- I'm I'm glad you mentioned that A, because yeah, I I I think it is really really good and really important that these spaces where we where we go to fuck are also places where we, we connect, we get education, we're we're you know linked to resources like where to get the monkeypox vaccine, right? So bathhouses are really like they, they they've come to play this really important role I think in our communities. And if if you go back, you know, some of that sort of more positive community orientation wasn't always there or wasn't always foregrounded in the same way. If you go back to the 50s, like you're, you're talking about, you know, these are businesses that, that like a lot of other spots that catered to, to, to gay people, including uh, like a lot of the, the bars, right? They weren't owned by queer people or not by openly queer people. There was a frequent sort of feeling that you're not really your interests aren't in really being centered here, right? You're there to give them cash. There but but you know you're you, it's not it's not your space in the same sort of way, right? And that that that's something that 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 changed in some ways over time just with uh with more queer business owners, and specifically more like gay men business owners.
0: Like even Stonewall wasn't queer owned at the time.
1: Great and very famous example, right? In in a lot of cities, if you if you read descriptions of them back in like the the fifties, sixties, you know a lot of the the gay oriented like commercial spaces were owned like owned by people with like organized crime links, right?
0: Which is so hot. I would love to date someone in an organized crime. Oh my God. If I ever get hate crime, I can always call an uncle Carmine to be like, can you second your boys over there for me? Yeah.
1: But yeah. So like I, 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 but, but you know, it was, it wasn't always like felt as like a queer space in a, in the same way aside from, you know, as a place where you go to spend some money and you, know, you get to use it too, but you know, that, that's sort of what you're there for in the eyes of the, the company. Right. But that that that's something that I think has changed in some ways. Uh, that aspect's still there. But if you go back to like you mentioned the bathhouse raids, right? This would have been in uh, early eighties, eighty one off the top of my head, right? Around that time, yeah. uh, where you know there had been for years raids on gay bars, raids on like lesbian spaces, raids on the bathhouses, right? For years, but this. At this particular time, the police here decided to hit up a whole bunch of them at once, and what were in the same night, in what was called a, like Operation Soap. What was kind of impressive is you, you you saw this you know big community mobilization to sort of stand up against this. When we say that they that they're being raided, like we're talking about some really just humiliating and cruel treatment, right? People being just like kicked outside without any clothes, having their names put down lists, like published, so people's employers, people's families found out that they're gay and that they're frequenting these spaces,
0: doing it by the hundreds, like fuck.
1: Yeah, and 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 in response, right? You know, we we saw what up until then was probably like the, you know the the biggest number of like queer people just taking to the streets in the city and demanding that this is something i had to stop right
0: well sorry can we rewind a second because why was this even a thing going on like what triggered these raids it couldn't have just been like oh let's attack all these gay men in their stupid little bathhouses just because we can't they must have had a reason not
1: really I mean th- these are places that we were definitely seen as like sleazy as underground as morally bankrupt right you know dens of sin and etc cetera, etc cetera. that sounds like a good time to me maybe maybe for you but yeah yeah like they, they uh, <laughs> you know they, they, they these were seen as you know or certainly like they, they, they were portrayed as these like dirty underground spaces right full of dirty underground people who, who, who aren't deserving of the same respect and dignity as everyone else right of
0: course not because we're a bunch of sinners and degenerates uh,
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah and, and so so I I I think that that sort of, that that, that big community mobilization sort of in, in defense of them, standing out for them as, as really like important spaces. I think that still has a lot of echoes today. The math has, right? Like they're, they're regular customers who were out there in the streets, like at those very demonstrations, right? And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. It's something that people still like think about or refer back to, I think uh, very often. And it also shaped how Toronto wound up navigating some issues around bathhouses and the, the AIDS crisis in a way that's different from what happened in other cities in North America. Because, like, shortly after, there there had been this big mass mobilization, right, showing that there's really, like, a huge number of people who care about these spaces, that they're important to them, that's a part of our community. It's not something that's that that, that we're gonna be like ashamed of, right? That sort of helped create the the context in which, unlike other cities where bathhouses were shut down by public health orders or uh, new ones weren't allowed to be opened through the eighties and nineties, laws that are still on the books in some places. San Francisco just got rid of its one uh within the last year or so. Which is why the the, the steamworks there technically it's not in San Francisco. It's and it's in another municipality in the Bay Area. Uh, That's
0: so wild! Shout out to y'all in California. Hope you are getting your back broke.
1: But unlike that, you know, it, it worked out differently in Toronto, where some first off, like some business owners like, like Peter Bokov uh, worked with some some more like progressive leaning local politicians like Jack Layton, who was on the board of health at the time. They they pushed for allowing new bathhouses to. Open as like legitimate community spaces, et cetera, et cetera, and the way it was sort of pitched to to get like community support behind it was that you know this isn't just like a place where people are sources of risk, right? Certain places, uh, places where people are you know at high risk of you know transmitting agents. Yeah, but that they're also they're also like high opportunity contexts when it comes to actually reaching the people who you need to by partnering with uh, organizations like what you volunteer for and the other like aid service groups uh, in the city, right? Ever since then, bathhouses have been a space where people are going in, delivering education, doing some public outreach, giving people materials that they need, connecting them with other resources where they can learn more. That that's been something that's been present in Toronto's bathhouses for decades now, as it is in a lot of other cities but yeah that's that, that 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 I guess is sort of some of the context there right even now like I, I remember in may i think before we even had any confirmed monkeypox cases in canada i started to have customers ask me about it because they they know that this is a place where they where they can do that right where they can like,
0: possibly contract it
1: well well, well no well i yeah, but I, 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 what I meant is, you know, they, they know that this is a space where they can reach out for information and where we're trying oh, to help yes, them out, yeah. right? The first thing that I did was, you know, I, I reached out to, some like, the volunteer who was there doing outreach and, like, asked him to, to like, and connecting you with some with some information I could uh, pass on, right? And that that that's a great example, I think, of how you know, well before there was any kind of public health promotion campaign, well before there was any sort of like a formal strategy, having that sort of community partnership present is something that's really valuable.
0: It was through the word of mouth that we were able to communicate and dispense that kind of vital information. Well, well like, word, word to, of mouth, but
1: also like meaningful relationships. Right. And that's, uh, that's, that's true. true. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would call them meaningful. <laughs> They're full of something. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> no, that's unethical. I have to wait 24 hours after my shift to like, <laughs> I know, because because like for some reason it becomes like a whole power dynamic thing, which is why I spend more time as a patron at Spy Access than I do at Steamworks. Mostly because, you know, I just want to go in there already. <laughs> but I, I I can see that, like, or I hope at least the listeners this far can understand why it's so important, because a bathhouse really isn't just for gay men to come in and fuck, it's this very important source of information this source of connection and also i at least i believe that a bathhouse can provide a safe space for those men who are exploring who are still on the dl which is why everything is always so dark in a fucking bathhouse you can't see anything in there
1: well i i, I mean i think that's true but you know it's also it's also like, why is it that it's important for all the things? Because it's also important for fucking, right? Like that's, that's why we go. Right? I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go to a bathhouse to get some, to make friends, it, right? Like that's not, that's not the reason I go.
0: <laughs> this isn't Steamworks best friends,
1: right? But my only point in bringing that up is, you know, like that's, that's important because sex is a big part of our lives. Right.
0: You can't stop gay men from having sex, so might as well give them a safe space for it.
1: Yeah, sure. Also, because like it's fun, right? Don't you know? We don't need to ask for it. So I I think that that's sort of uh, like what you just said hits on a very common perception that I think is really interesting, namely that bathhouses are like exceptionally important for people who who don't have alternatives. Right, who don't have other places where they can 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 meet people for the, the kinds of sex that they want. You know, you you hear the same sort of argument sometimes about like uh, cruising in public parks, right? You know, oh, like it's important because the reason it's there is that you know because people don't have alternatives, right? Uh, or it's especially important for people who don't have alternatives. I get why that's sort of like a reason that people put out there but I, I think it's also important to say that you know there there's a positive role that these places play right it's uh it's fun it gives you space to you know not just if you're not just if you're exploring in the sense of oh you're not sure how you feel about you know having sex with the guys but like it's an important. To I think it's important and really exciting to be able to explore new kinds of sex right, with new kinds of people, right?
0: Yeah, and that's, a whole new world. It, yeah,
1: and you know that that's I think that's what a lot of people will go to bathhouses and you know in, in different ways like uh, outdoor public like cruising spots for it. it it's. Sort of the 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 more like open endedness of it, if that makes sense, right?
0: Open endedness, like there's no.
1: Well, as in, like mm-hmm. I guess. So. Okay, maybe I'm projecting a little here. <laughs> like for me, when I was first having sex with other men, a lot of it was in sort of like like public outdoor settings, right? Mostly in parks, yeah. and I think that something that I really appreciate about that, and I I, I like to think is I sort of like take with me, is you know you you sort of go and. Or at least I shouldn't be you know, making this a generalized statement. But, you know, I I I go and I find someone I want to have sex with it wants to have sex with me and we figure out how we're gonna do that in a way that, that that's like exciting, right? It's a very different feeling from if you're you know logging onto Grinder and you see like the grid of all these people who you're able to, you know, sort of compare and slot into categories and like look try to optimize, right? I'm not really interested in trying to optimize when you're when you're meeting in those sorts of, you know, anonymous, like more mostly anonymous like sexual scenarios, right? I know, it's just it's it's a very different sort of vibe. It's something that I really appreciate and that I, I, that, that, that I get a lot out of. And I, I think that they play an important role for that. Right. So that's why like, even, um, you know, people will sometimes say that the reason there are so many fewer bathhouses now is because they're less necessary. Now that we have like grinder or, Whatever. I I just think that, you know, there are there are lots of reasons why there's so so many fewer of them now, but I don't think that's one of them. I don't think it's a lack of necessity. And I also think that asking whether they're necessary can be like the wrong question. It's more, you know, are they are they places that are important to us? Do they matter to us? Do we care about them? Yeah, then that's enough, right? Sorry, I just went off on the whole thing.
0: I love it. Stay on your soapbox, babe. Like (laughs) don't don't let me stop you. No, I, I, I agree. I just didn't really think of it that way, that the reason why Toronto has, like, what, two big-name bathhouses is because there's really not much of a need for that safe space because we have access to sex through the internet through scruff or a grinder and then uh, whoever is able to host really
1: yeah well I mean that <laughs> that that's sort of that's sort of an argument that you hear right I think there are, yeah. there are three intra that i can think of two downtown and one more in the west end it's sort of the same argument that you hear about you know do we need the village anymore right is the village obsolete now that we both you know have other opportunities to meet people for sex but like also uh have like a higher level of general social acceptance right so so maybe people feel comfortable living in some neighborhoods where they might not have 40 years ago, right? I think that to be honest is just sort of making some some dubious assumptions. And looking at a pattern where, you know, more businesses are closing, et cetera, et cetera, that has more to do with economics and the fact that, you know, we look we're like in a city like Toronto, economic inequality is rising, has been rising for decades, right? Since a sort of shift from a Keynesian to you know, neoliberal governance. It, that economic inequality has a very like geographical element you just tend to have like more and more people who can't afford to live in certain parts of the city like downtown
0: because housing is so fucking arbitrary I don't yeah
1: exactly and so 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 like you know when people talk about how well the oh it's because grinders made things obsolete or like whatever I don't think that's like Case so much as you know the the kinds of social factors and, and economic factors that sort of you know allowed some of these businesses to be you know sustaining over long periods of time and pay their rent and pay their utility bills that that's that's changed pretty drastically. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Yes.
0: Hey, you sick motherfuckers! I've got a special treat for you. Need a new toy to spice up your sex life? Head over to loveshop.ca slash sexedwithtim and get yourself a cock ring, a dildo, a vibrator, or even a life-sized sex doll. (laughs) Damn, I guess love really does come in all shapes and sizes. Get 15% off your entire order when you use code SEXEDWITHTIM at checkout. They're shipping to all of Canada and the United States because North America is horny. That's loveshop.ca slash sexedwithtim and use code sexedwithtim for 15% off your entire purchase. Happy orgasm! Do you like feeling sexy and looking sexy? Of course you do. Only my listeners are sexy as fuck. I have partnered with fetishwear designer Dale Kuda to bring you the hottest deals on custom jock straps, harnesses, hats, and more. Head over to dalekuda.com, that's d a l e k u d a.com and use code SEXEDWITHTIM at checkout for 25% off the entire store. Yeah, you heard me. 25% off. And cherry on top, free shipping. Oh my god, I have a few of the stuff that he has made for me. And girl, I'm wearing it right now. I'm wearing like a little jock strap so that I could easily just like slip a little butt plug or dildo every now and then here and there. And I'm on the train, I'm just like, oh, 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 thank you, Dale. <laughs> That's dalecuda.com with the code SEXEDWITHTIM for 25% off your entire purchase with free shipping. With a deal like that, I swear I could come buckets.
1: (laughs) The show is about to begin. Yes!
0: I understand that there is the argument for not as many bathhouses, but also I i kind of want more a <laughs> lot more just like how we should keep the village or i think we should even expand the village really even though some people will think otherwise because these spaces are so important for us to connect to be seen to be like absolutely day. and 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 to my mind you know
1: what's the what does that mean right if if we want to to sort of defend these spaces and have more of them and, and build on them right and have spaces that really like care to our own needs well that that's uh that's something that's not going to happen just through the market there's a great little uh Manifesto by uh, a poet named Bruce Boone. Carl Marx. Uh, <laughs> close. Uh, but by, by uh, a poet named Bruce Boone that was written, I believe, in 81, 80, called Toward a Gay Theory for the 80s. And one of the sort of lines that he... he or One of the things he started considering is, you know, the sort of gay liberation, gay democratic rights movement has made some you know, limited gains, but some real gains over the like, last while. What's next? Where do we go from here? How, what, how do we organize, right? One of the things that he talks about is how... A lot of the sort of gay businesses, like bathhouses, like the the gay bars, will like to say that they're they're community pillars, right? That they're they're at the service of the community. And he says, well, we should take them at their word. What that means is having some sort of democratic structures where patrons and workers get to participate in setting policies and making decisions that impact people's lives.
0: Because you're the front line. Exactly,
1: exactly. And I, I think that's something that ultimately, if we if we want these spaces to thrive in the way that we want them to thrive, and to have the, the kinds of spaces and the kinds of resources that we want them to have, that's something that is not going to happen if we just leave it up to the free market. We need to, to organize politically in order to sort of, you know, set out what we want. I, I think that, that my coworkers voting to unionize this past fall is maybe one little contribution to that. I, I think that in the long run, what it's going to take is for, for, you know, similarly other other queer workers, queer tenants to organize collectively to build the power that we need to sort of stand up to some of these things.
0: You were the driving force of the unionization, too.
1: Right? I, oh, that, you uh, Give uh, yourself no, credit. Come on. I don't, and- no. I, well, something like that's never individual, right? It's collective. It only matters insofar as it's collective. So I was, I was part of it, but I I'm definitely wasn't the only part.
0: All right, fine. Eat your humble pie. Jesus. Okay. Well, so now that we have this idea of, like, the cultural significance, why it's important to have bathhouses, and why we should fund the the maintenance of bathhouses, let's talk about some of the logistics of it. All right, so I'm a DL guy. I don't know what's there to do. Oh, God. It's my first time having sex with another man. Oh, no. What? can I expect in a bathhouse? Like, uh, what does it look like? (laughs) I mean, that's a huge question. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, what does it look like? What are some of the things that I can, like expect or what are some of the services offered in a bathhouse that make it so quintessentially a space for gay men
1: what can you expect well um whew, boy.
0: besides uh, sex like you yeah know, the, so, give us the layout of it okay yeah
1: so you know it, it varies from place to place but generally speaking like you you go up uh to the front counter you pay to rent either a room or a locker and you'll receive like a like key and a a towel, maybe two towels. I don't know. Different places have different towel rules. Okay. (laughs) And so, you know, you, one of the questions that we get pretty often actually is like, like, what can you, what can you wear? Uh, Or what should I wear? And, pretty much everyone there's some exceptions but pretty much everyone is just gonna like strip down to be naked wearing like, a towel around their waist yeah but you know there are other people who'll be going around wearing underwear or jock straps whatever but, like well that, that, that that's less common I mean
0: that's only if you decide to go into like the in-house gym yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
1: but yeah generally speaking you'll just like strip down or go work out and then uh, like hit out the showers and then just go explore right what exactly different ones like have will be be different from place to place. Some of the really common ones, certain you know, go, going back to the history with the name bathhouse would be like a like something like a hot tub or a steam bath, right? A lot of them will have steam baths because there is a like a, a history of steam baths sort of being used for sex between men. Right?
0: I wonder why it's that specifically. That is, it was a, it was something that was used before a gay man, or like something that gay men use specifically for gay sex. Like, what, what was it about the hot water that made us so fucking horny?
1: I don't know. Have you tried that?
0: <laughs> Only one too many times, Graham. Well, there's and my answer, and- right? Guess it works. <laughs> and of all the times I've been in the water, you've never been in there with me. <laughs> <sighs> so frustrating. Okay, <laughs> I- I'll try to uh, explain this as much as I can it does look a little bit like your high school locker room. Like you got your metal benches. Uh it is very like it's kind of like a throwback to that very quintessential gay experience of being in uh gendered washrooms and then all the boys are changing and then you kind of like sneak a peek. And see,
1: oh, it totally and a lot of them totally play that up, right? Like they really lean into that. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah,
0: right. And it's it's dim. It's giving that club feel. That that very like you got that that faint kind of music uh, bumping. Not always that (laughs) faint. Not all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. Sometimes it's like fucking loud. I can't even hear myself think. And then. Uh, go a little bit deeper into the bathhouse you have uh, like a pitch black dark room right yeah what i think know? and i think it's
1: pretty common right um steamworks has got a few gi joe montreal's got some like like it's it's, it's that's just like a common thing for bathhouses uh, like having like these dark rooms that'll usually have like glory holes in them and then sometimes they'll also have uh, just different pieces of like I don't know like a fuckbench or a sling things like that. But glory holes are definitely probably like one of the more common things that you'll find there. Does
0: Steamworks in Toronto have a glory hole?
1: It has several. It's actually kind of funny. So if you I, I don't know if this is still up here, but at one point my coworker and I were looking over the website and it described it as having you know Toronto's only slurp ramp. I don't think that's true. I think one of the others has a slurp ramp, but it made me think like okay what the fuck is a slurp ramp? A slurp <laughs> ramp. Apparently. And and some people will tell me this is like a toronto invention which i'm i i do not really believe but hey maybe uh is you know you have like a sort of like a, a u shape right so you go there's like a raised area that you can take stairs up to I don't know why it's called a ramp if they have stairs anyway, you, can, <laughs> you can step up to this raised area and then there's a glory hole there so you can either be you know standing on the, the floor height and standing and sucking a dick through the glory hole without having to kneel down or you're like standing on the raised platform with your deck out right so I guess it's uh, you know you don't have to bend as much you don't have to kneel I, I don't know I guess it's you know better for the <laughs> knees actually you know you should do some research try to try to you know ask all your other interviewees if they've ever seen a slurp ramp in their own city because i don't believe it's a toronto innovation
0: i will because this i've never personally been in the back room of the steamworks in the dark room mostly because i am like very visual so having no sense of sight is gonna make me like panic i'm like (laughs) where's my mommy
1: (laughs) there's a a (laughs) little bit of light just, you know, I know but there, like, there's, there's enough to see like silhouettes, but not really much beyond that.
0: Okay. okay fair. That's fair. Also, I'm just like, I want to see who I'm having sex with. I guess call me old fashioned. Huh? You're so romantic. <laughs> Forgive me for wanting to see your face. <laughs> uh, and then there are like some rooms for rent. And some like your standard room comes with like a bed. It's got a mirror. Uh, it's very small. Uh, for anyone listening, it is not a massive bedroom that you would think it is. It's literally like a broom closet size of a room.
1: Yeah, I think if, <laughs> and, if you go to the um, like so, some places will even call them like changing rooms, right? So so the, and that yeah. gives the idea uh, a little more clearly, right? This isn't like a it's not a hotel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not a towel our mattresses are not that expensive it's like They're paper thin yeah and which is kind of deliberate right in most places you know you, they sort of design it with the idea that you want to be hearing people having sex around you uh, over the yeah. walls right so it's, it's, it's sort of yeah, really a like,
0: drywall is like it's tissue paper I can hear my neighbors going uh, uh,
1: yeah which, and they can hear high. you right yeah exactly so So, so yeah, I mean, like for, for most guys, you know, people will either sort of, you know, if if you, if you want to get in the room. So there two most common approaches, right? One is you, you know, walk around, you meet people, you bring them back. The other is you just, you just bend over with the door open or, you know, or like lie back and like, like show your dick, right? But yeah. sort of like indicate what you're- so If
0: you're lying back, you're a top. If you're bending over, you're at the bottom.
1: Yeah, 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 pretty much. Fairly self-explanatory.
0: Which is, I mean, I, when I first went into the bathhouse, I didn't really think that it was, you know, them advertising Mm. there is this unspoken rule that you learn the more frequently you visit Mm. yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean you can find some guides like online for you know bathhouse etiquette but you know it's gonna vary from place to place and i think the you know what's consistent though is I think there's a lot of like communication through body language, right?
0: Because in a bathhouse, a consent can seem kind of like a gray area at times.
1: Uh, yeah. I, I hmm. I I'm not sure if I fully agree with that because, like, I I, I think or, or rather, I, I I think that it can feel that way in the abstract more than it does in in reality makes sense yeah Yeah, because i hear a lot of people sort of asking oh you know what would happen if right i'm not gonna say that people don't you know put push 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 people's boundaries right some people like i it happens it happens somewhat you know not not every day not every week but it happens like often enough that uh someone will come up and let me know like hey like you know this guy like isn't taking no for an answer and we deal with that Right. That's part of what we're there for is to, to make sure that people understand, like, look, you have to be respecting the boundaries people set. Yeah. Right? Um, it's
0: so weird because those are adults. You're grown up. Well, <laughs> this is the thing, right?
1: And this is sort of, you know, going back to what we were talking about in terms of the, this perception that, that these are like a sleazy and underground environment. Right. Some people, some customers will come in with the same attitude that, Oh, this is anything goes like, who are you today? Right. And they're people who do, act that way are often assholes and we'll often have to ask them to leave. But like it happens like, with some regularity, right? It's a minority of people, though. Right, it's a small minority of people. I can understand people feeling a little like like anxious about you know consent and like sexual environment and whatnot before they actually go. But I, I I suspect that you know for most people who I've spoken to uh, who sort of felt, felt that anxiety going in, they found that actually you know you you, you learn you you can always just say it, say what you want out loud or find other ways to convey it, and it's not something that that, that I hear people. I don't know, like I, I think it's something that's more like an anxiety. And, that, that people have that's very reasonable it's it's less common that i sort of see it in action right
0: just remember you have bodily autonomy don't let anyone take control of that it's your body you have the power to say no you have the power to kick them in the balls at least that's what i do if they get a little too handsy yes and <laughs> like never feel like you know just because you
1: stepped into a sexual space doesn't mean you're consenting to sex
0: yeah there's also like no obligation to have sex the number of times I've been to the bathhouse to just take a nap because I was like a little bit hungover or like drunk from the night, and then the subway is already out of service. I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna have to crash over at Steamworks. Wait until 8 a.m. when the trains are running again, and then.
1: Like for a lot of a lot of people will just come in because they love the steam bath, right? Uh, or they love the hot tub, and you know, maybe and maybe you like going to a hot tub around a bunch of naked guys. But you know, they, but it's not like everyone who walks in the door is there for sex, right? Most most of us are, but like not everyone.
0: Oh, speaking of walking through the door, I there is something that I did notice when it comes to all the bathhouses that I have been to, and that's accessibility that just seems to be like i don't know there there seems to be a lack of of ramps or elevators escalators why is that
1: why is it i would say it's because a couple things first off the owners and managers often seem like they're making decisions on the assumption that all of their customer base are cis, muscular, or twinkie or whatever, but like conventionally attractive and able-bodied people, right? That's who they have in mind as the customers that they're catering to. They are not going to look at the floor plan of like new club and even consider physical accessibility as something that they should be you you're know working on. And until they have to, whether that's by you know regulation or whether that's by uh, like customers and or, or like, workers organized through unions making explicit demands that, you know, you need to start improving on this stuff. I don't think they're going to.
0: So they're really just capitalizing on a specific demographic, which is those able bodied, hot quote unquote hot men who are coming in there for sex because they've got all the disposable income and we might as well take their money for all they're worth.
1: Yeah, and, 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 you know, it's not like, it's not like, it's not, I, I don't think that any of the, the bathhouse owners or managers I've met sincerely think that's their whole customer base. That's who they're thinking of, right? You're not, like, you're never, like, you, so until very recently on a lot of bathhouse, like, advertisements, even if you go through, like, old, like, newspapers and whatnot, you'll see, like, it's overwhelmingly like, fit, muscular white guys, right? And start to see more variety in terms of the like ethnicities that get represented in like Bathhouse's websites and their advertising, stuff like that. So it shows that, uh, okay, like they're, you know, they expand a little bit. I've never seen... Uh,
0: like an advertisement for a trans night.
1: Yeah, 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 totally. I've never seen a Bathhouse advertisement uh, featuring someone with a mobility device or wheelchair. I've never seen that. So I, I, I just don't think that, that physical accessibility is, you know, particularly on their radar. That That's something that over time is going to have to change.
0: Which is such bullshit because there, disabled people are hot.
1: Yeah, and 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 you know, and and disabled people like there, there, there are disabled guys who come into the bathhouse, right? And if they need help getting around, they'll let us know. We'll do what we can, and I, I hope that they still are able to like have a good time overall. But you know, it's almost embarrassing how little we're able to to do when they you know, when, when they're having trouble, like, navigating the space, right? It's embarrassing.
0: Because, like, the entrance to Toronto Steamworks is, like, three flights of stairs.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, a, there's also an elevator, um, but, you know, you oh. have to know to look for it, yeah. Uh,
0: where was that when I broke my fucking ankle? <laughs> that's, that's not uncommon,
1: right? I think that, uh, I think all of the baths in Toronto have stairs. I think right. everyone bathhouse I've been to myself has stairs, so yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: <laughs> I would love if the bathhouse was just, like, one flat floor, like a bungalow. And
1: <laughs> don't, you don't just by the time make this a upstairs, ramp, a like, natural huh. ramp.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, right? there you go. Or have a busboy carry me over. <laughs> also, back or something, Right? that's why we need to fund these bathhouses (laughs) like what about some of the the risky behaviors that you've seen i i guess i'm just asking for some personal stories or anecdotes what are some of the wildest things that you've seen go down in the bathhouse
1: oh dear oh i'm not sure how to answer that
0: did someone really go through the needle bin? Like they use needles?
1: Yes, yes, that has happened. Yeah, that has happened, and that's just you know that that's uh, I think any place that has like needle disposal bins around, like that's just you know that's a, that's a that's a risk. It's going to happen sometimes. I've seen it happen once in five years. This doesn't happen regularly, uh, and okay. the solution is just to make sure that you're like emptying them more often, right? But that's you know you know look that's extremely rare, and given the number of people who come in through the door, we're talking like this is not a it's not a dangerous environment. I don't think, right? Like I I yeah. Overall, I think, yeah. 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 And in terms of like risky behavior, like the most dramatic would be just you know, people who try to come in with weapons, right? I've never seen someone come in with the intent of hurting people with a weapon, but yeah, trying to check in with an axe in, in your bag—not not the best idea. That's um, that happen, no, but like in terms of risky behavior inside, like I I don't know.
0: I just want. I was just curious. I've seen some pretty like wild things happen in the bathhouse, like some somebody got into some fights, but like really in general, I feel like the riskiest behavior in a bathhouse is unprotected sex. And that's really about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, that, that that would be one thing that that'll happen. I think that some of the riskiest stuff that happens, to be honest, is like, uh, like, if we're talking about, you know, risks in the sexual health sense, a lot of it isn't sex with a condom so much as it's, uh, you know, sex with some odd ideas
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean so so, uh, like what Graham
1: so you know one example I had I didn't know not know anyone did this until I was a cleaner right Uh, and then oh you start to, to see it happen you know people who think that people who wear like Multiple layers of condoms at once because they think that offers more protection when actually it just makes it more likely to, to tear, right? That happens like with some alarming frequency. People who will have ideas like, you know, not uh, like, like assuming that um, they can't get an STI if they're at the top.
0: <laughs> You're right. I'm a walking Petri dish. Yeah, and there's a
1: there's a significant <laughs> number of people who will will, will come up and um, you know you know you mentioned thinking things like this, right? And I'm sure so you run across zero. some of the stuff like in in your work because you're there as like one of these like sexual health like resource people, right?
0: Experts. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, expert. Okay. Certified.
0: Yeah, oh, get it wow. right, Ram. Certified sex educator. My certificate is <laughs> right over there.
1: <laughs> Isn't that a penis-shaped pillow? How's that a certificate?
0: It's two Fina peanut-shaped pillows, one picture of a guy in rope bondage. And, and just
1: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> hey, so don't, don't worry, listeners. Tim is, in fact, certified. <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, so, 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 you know, jumping back, right? I think, like, if you're talking about, like, risks the main source of risk i think is just when people don't have the information that they need to make like, informed choices and make choices about you know how how they're going to do things and what what kinds of different like harm reduction measures they might need to take right
0: that's what i'm here for
1: yeah but there are you know there are a lot of uh, you know there's a lot of misinformation about sex about our bodies uh, especially for queer people and you know one one of the things that i really love about working at a bathhouse is you really you know you get this huge cross section of our communities right like you you meet people who are like investment bankers you meet people who are homeless you meet people who have you know just moved to canada in the last like week right you you meet people who are like traveling from all over the place every kind of body imaginable with every kind of life story imaginable. Right.
0: So you just get to look at naked
1: bodies all day. Long. Yeah. But, you know, but, but you know, like you, you have this, you know, this huge variety of people like, coming in and what a great opportunity for them to be able to, to get connected with like knowledge. Right. But also, you know, people come in with all kinds of different preconceptions and all kinds of different ideas about, you know, what, what is riskier, what is less risk? What are things that, 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 you know need to be said out loud what doesn't right and, and it, i don't know that's that's something that i like about it is that it is this place of uh sort of you know people from all kinds of different experiences and all kinds of backgrounds sort of like coming together and having some like very like intimate and often like vulnerable moments with each other Right? i think that's beautiful I think.
0: it's like the grand central station of
1: gay sex the grand central, I don't, I don't grand central to... <laughs> station is the grand central station of gay sex
0: Or but... <laughs> right, so i right hear You go over to the public bathroom. (laughs) I just want to also provide some context as to how important these bathhouses were, uh, or if you can provide some context uh, as to the importance of having a bathhouse or a gay space in the context of a pandemic when we're all so isolated from each other. How important was keeping these bathhouses operational? Did it survive the pandemic? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: well, the one I work on did. Some of them did not some bathhouses and subsidies have closed down either during like the the whole like like closures or, or, or more recently I, I i met a lot of regulars like outside at some of the the like outdoor like cruising spots while the bathhouses were closed and it was cool to to see hey like they're finding alternatives right you don't think about this necessarily i know people who didn't get an hiv test all the way through the pandemic because they were still they were still having sex with other guys, but. Where do they go to get tested regularly at the outreach booth at the bathhouse? Right. I know people who would have wanted to talk with someone in person in a language that they they you know in in, in their native language about starting on something like prep uh, during the pandemic. And where is it that they used to be able to do that by you know seeing people <laughs> seeing like there, Right. So that's the that, that's super important and. We see why that's so important with the monkeypox response that we've been, you know, having like here in Toronto. So Toronto has like three quarters of the monkeypox cases in Ontario have been reported here. It's a it's a big center of it, right? I had customers at the bass like asking me about it and asking, you know, what can we do? Uh, is it safe? What can we do to make sure it's safe? But since before there were any cases confirmed in Canada, so this is something that our community has been thinking about, right? And because we have
0: since its inception, yeah,
1: and, be, and because we have the this sort of network, this institutional network of organizations that have experience reaching out to the community, have relationships with the community, that's made, I think, some of the the community response to monkeypox help be like, as effective as it has been. I think that it's been really useful to have people, you know, who, who've been impacted by some of the sort of like anti-vaccine rhetoric that's flown around over the last two years, yada, 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 or just, you know, people who are jaded because they've seen that, 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 Frankly, public health has basically given up on assisting us with, you know, avoiding getting infected with COVID nineteen. Who've gotten kind of jaded on it, right? And so, I think it was important for them to be able to get information about monkeypox, about the vaccine, about what steps we can take uh, from sources that they trust that are rooted in the same communities, right? So that I think that I think has been really important, and frankly, like it drives home to me why it matters to have these organizations being present. And having the resources that they need to do that active outreach, and yeah, I mean money, right? When I started working at Bethouse, I think there were at the time like five organizations that did uh, active like outreach, and now it's just one, because these other because these other service organizations have missed out on the grants that used to fund that. Work and when they aren't able to get the funding that they that, that that they've relied on from the Toronto Urban Health Fund, they don't all have ACT resources. They don't all have the resources of of, of they certainly don't have the resources of the of the province. They have to scale back those programs or shut them entirely. And I keep thinking, you know, how the like, I I think that our local promotion of the vaccine has been really effective, but I keep thinking like how much more effective could it be if we had not been impacted by you know HIV aids and sexual health funding not keeping pace with our community's needs for so long leading to a situation where these organizations have less of a footprint have less of a direct present in environments like bathhouses uh, because they have not received the funding that they need to do the, this work that I think is really like vital and important. Call your MPP ask them what they're doing to make sure that sexual health organizations in Ontario are receiving the funding they need to actually, you know, meet what the community needs from them. Correct.
0: Because these spaces are so fucking important, like to bring it, around again to our initial point yeah okay fine you think a bathhouse is all debauchery and and sex or whatever fine but which (laughs) wish it is (laughs) but one thing stands is that the the need for a gay space is so important regardless of whatever you think it is that we do in these gay spaces it doesn't matter what you think we do it's the fact that There is a need for it, this marginalized community, which is gay, bi, trans, queer, and men who have sex with men, that need a space like this to stay healthy, to explore their own sexuality in a healthy way in a society that is constantly telling us that we're not quote-unquote good or whatever. And it's like, this is a necessity, and if you're not a patron you might not look at it but it is
1: yeah no i i like I, I i agree with a lot of that i also i i just add that you know even if it was even if it's not needed who cares right we have we have a right to pleasure right we have a right to pleasure we have a right to like a fulfilling exciting life that includes our sex lives and i just yeah like i, I I like I, I agree with everything he's just said, but I also think that, you know, even in an ideal ideal alternative reality where queer people aren't it against, I think we're still gonna have bathhouses, right? Hopefully we'll have more.
0: That's true. <laughs> There'll be one gay bathhouse per Tim Hortons.
1: <laughs> There's one um oh my god, just go with just go with like a drill in the washing. Anyway, <laughs> There's this line from uh, There's this line from Samuel Delaney that that I'm I'm gonna butcher it. He says, amongst other things, one marker of you know women having achieved substantive equality with with men would be if they have similarly like robust culture of public sex, right? Yeah, you know, a bit of a provo- provocative thought, but I think there's I think there's something to that, right? When we look at how you know there there are so few bathhouses, there's even fewer uh, like sexual spaces that, that that are focused on on like women right often none of the sort of sex venues that we have uh, are as welcoming of trans people of any stripe as they should be the, these are these are places that are important not just because they're necessary but because they're they're you know they're exciting they're fun right? we care about them we get a lot out of it in a positive way right and that's something that everyone should be able to have I think
0: like like Disneyland there you go yeah <laughs> It's Disneyland for adults. Well, Graham, you're just so full of intelligence and so full of knowledge. Can you please make like a butt and plug away any sort of resources that you want our listeners to click through or whatever?
1: If Monkeypox is still in the news... Please, I desperately hope it isn't, but please, 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 for the love of God, visit gmsh.ca slash uh, where you can get all the info you need about it uh, and where to get vaccinated. I sincerely hope you do not need to follow that advice by 2023. And uh, you can find on Twitter at uh, like underscore G-M-L-A-M-B that's Lamb, like the sheep where I make bad Star Trek jokes and uh, rant about unions
0: <laughs> which is the sexiest thing about you Graham your brain is just so beautiful and tell to the listeners that are hearing this episode please slide in Graham's DMs to tell him to have sex with Tim already this is- <laughs> <laughs> Needs to happen soon. <laughs> and just for my own little plug, if you guys want to see the organization that I volunteer for at actoronto.org and go volunteer, find a cause that you're passionate about and, you know, give a little bit of your time. I give like three mo- three hours of my time, three hours a month. <laughs> and that, that's like literally nothing. And I, I do that every month to help out with uh, the bathhouse. And I can really see the change those three hours does to a person. It is just so fulfilling. And also, worlds on fire. You might as well right (laughs) so once again graham thank you so much for coming on the show hopefully you'll come on other places besides the show and (laughs) do you have this written down or is this just off the top no i was literally all at the top of my head (laughs) where's my emmy uh well thank you so much (laughs) for, for being a guest and to all the listeners that have made it this far into this chaotic-ass conversation, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I will see you at the next episode thanks for listening to the sex ed with tim podcast sex ed with tim is created and produced by me tim lagman music is aces high by kevin mcleod follow me on twitter and instagram at gay slut clown and at sex ed with tim you can also like and follow me on the sex ed with tim facebook page if you enjoyed the show please rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts thanks for all your support you dirty little slut
1: Eu